0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikhail Thorpe, and this is the Expat Money Show. Today, what we're going to be doing is talking a little bit about immigration. I want to kind of go back to basics with everybody and make sure that everybody understands the vocabulary and the lexicon and everything that has to do with immigration, because we did a massive presentation on Saturday, a huge workshop, which went so well. I mean, I thought that we had almost 700 people register, but when I actually went back and checked later on, we had over 700, well over 700 people register for the workshop, which was very good. You know, these are very niche type of things we're talking about. So to sign up for a Saturday to come and join me for three hours to talk about immigration, you know, is pretty amazing. And in that workshop, we went really in-depth. We had a couple of major presentations. We did a huge Q&A. We did a panel discussion. There was a lot going on. So today, what I'm going to do is not rehash anything that was already talked about on Saturday. If you guys registered and you saw that presentation, then this will be completely new stuff today. This is going to go back to basics, kind of the precursor for that one. Maybe I should have done these in a different order, but I could really see from the Q&A that there was some pieces missing for some people that they didn't quite understand it. And I want to make sure that everybody understands because this is your life. Like if you decide that you want to go through a program, you should really understand what's involved in the paperwork and the costs and everything like that. You know me, I want to be really transparent about everything. So that's why I thought, you know what, for this week's episode of the podcast, I'm going to go ahead and do kind of a back to basics episode, lay the land and Hopefully, this helps support you guys in your decisions with immigration and citizenship and residency and everything like that. Now, if you missed Saturday's presentation, well, I'm really sorry to hear that. I mean, you missed a great presentation. If you registered, then you will have gotten by now the replays. We split it into two parts because it was just too big to do on one file. It was a huge file and so long to render and everything. So we split it in between two files and we said, sent it out, the password, it's a password-protected file. We're gonna be changing the password probably by the end of the week, and this is all gonna get locked away in the vault. So if you did not register, then you will not have gotten the replay, and I'm sorry to hear that. Not a lot I can do for you at this point, but hopefully you will still find today's episode very beneficial and be a reference point for you so you understand what you're looking at when you're looking at immigration. So I'm going to try to bang through this as fast as possible. It is very late in the day. I've been on private client calls for about six hours already today, so my brain is kind of half mush. I have made a couple of very, very short bullet point notes on my computer, which I'm staring at, but I want to get through this quickly because we are making homemade pizza, homemade gluten-free pizza for dinner tonight, and I'm really happy to finish work for the day and get down and spend some time with the kids and eat some gluten-free pizza and maybe have a glass of wine, and yeah. So on that note, let's jump in To today's episode. So what are we going to be discussing? Well, I want to talk to you kind of surface level stuff about immigration. I want to start with the most basic, just so that you have a full understanding. And that's the tourist visa. A lot of people, when they get on an airplane and they want to go and visit another country, they don't really understand even what's happening. They think that I've literally had before someone who just wants to go to move to another country, and they think they can just get off the airplane and go into that country and start living there. You know, as an American or as a Canadian, because we have strong passports, then you can just go to another country and you can live there and it's fine. Maybe you got to do a bit of paperwork, but they don't really understand too much more than that. 99% of the time, what's happening is you're entering in under a tourist visa. So this will allow you to spend a week, a month, three months, 90 days, this type of time frame. maybe even six months. Maybe you will get six months as a tourist visa. It depends on your... Passport that you're traveling on, and the relationship that that country has with the country that you're entering into. Okay? So the next step up from a tourist visa is a residency. Now, there are many different types of residencies. There are student visas where you can go and study in a place. There's working holiday visas, which is a type of temporary residency. I did a lot of working holiday visas when I was much, much younger. I'll be 40 very soon, so this was a long time ago. But I did a working holiday visa in New Zealand for a year. I also did a working holiday visa in Australia for a year. I ended up living in Australia, for three years, but I went through other types of residency permits after that. So there's many different types of temporary residencies. Even Thailand has like a long-term tourist visa, which some people actually think is a residency, and it's not. It's just a permission to stay in the country for an extended period of time. So these residencies and temporary residencies, they can be very cheap and they can be very expensive. Now, the next level up is a permanent residency. So what does this mean? It means that you can permanently reside in the country. So it's not like I said before, like a work permit or a student visa where you have like two years to go to school. And then once you're done your school, your visa expires and you got to go home. You know, a permanent residency allows you to live in the country full time forever. As long as you keep the stipulations in place that are part of your visa, then you can be there forever. Okay. So that might look like keeping an investment that you've made to be in that country, you might need to keep that investment in place. Maybe you need to visit the country a certain amount of time every year. Maybe it's, six months, maybe it's a week, maybe it's a day. It depends on the individual country. Every country and every visa has its own stipulations. And most countries have many different types of residencies. There can be 5, 10, 15, 20 different types of residency programs that every country has. Now, when you consider that there's 193 countries in the world, that's a lot of different residencies to keep track of. I would consider myself pretty much a world expert at these types of things. I don't know many people who knows more about different residency programs and how to navigate them than I do. This is really what I specialize on, is a lot of the immigration and the overall planning that goes into formulating a plan for someone, for for my private clients, in regards to their immigration and how that's going to fit in with their lifestyle, with their goals to get citizenship, with their investments, with their real estate, with precious metals, with all of these types of things and then all the tax obligations this is really where i shine okay so the next level up on top of a permanent residency is a citizenship now some people seem to confuse a citizenship and a passport a passport is simply a piece of paper it is a travel document same as your driver's license allows you to travel in a vehicle driving a vehicle on the roads a passport allows you to travel between countries on that piece of paper okay? The citizenship is the most important piece of the puzzle. This is when you can actually say I am Panamanian, I am Brazilian, I am Portuguese, etc, etc. This allows you to do a lot of things in the country. It's your legal right to live and work in the country full time same as you would have with a permanent residency but on top of that you will get the passport as the travel document. You can also serve in the national service of the country if that is something you wanted to do and in most cases you can partake in public office not something i'm a big fan of by any means well that and national service but it is a possibility so just kind of laying the landscape for you now what do i focus on inside this this giant immigration piece of the puzzle i focus on naturalization so that means spending a certain amount of time inside of a country and then going through the stipulations and becoming a naturalized person, becoming a citizenship afterwards. Now, this can be as little as two years. It could be three years. It could be five years. It could be 10 years. could be 20 years. I have friends who have been trying to get their Swiss citizenship for well over 20 years and have lived in Switzerland their entire lives, their entire adult lives, I should say. And they still don't have. So every country has its own program and once again, stipulations that need to go through it. So I focus a lot on the different naturalization. The other thing that I really work towards is ancestry. So if your parents or grandparents or great-grandparents come from a certain region, traditionally in Europe, but also some other places, then we look at getting you a citizenship and a second passport through your ancestry, through your lineage. Now, between this and the naturalization and a lot of these things, this is all private client work. My main business is I give advice and I help and coach and consult with people and I work with the lawyers, the local lawyers and the local CPAs to get the overall plan completed. So what I would do is I work with private clients to formulate a plan and it takes us like three, four, five, six calls, and then I go through the process with them and we create a plan for them. This is Highly specialized, highly tailor-made information, you could say, on my private client's individual information, okay? Then we start looking at, okay, ancestry, where do your parents come from? The naturalization, if you lived here, if you spent time in this country, this country, in this country, how can we get two, three citizenships for you at once? You know, all of these types of things is all private client work. What I also do a lot of consulting with is what I affectionately call birth tourism. It's really thinking ahead on where you're going to have your well, in my case, my wife, give birth, but depending if you're a female (laughs) listening to this, where you might be giving birth, and then how that affects your immigration status, your tax status, what does that mean for the child, for the lineage of your family going forwards, all of these pieces of the puzzle come into play with giving birth and growing your family. I'm very family oriented. Okay, So all of these things have to do with my private consulting. Now, if you guys go to expatmoney.com up in the top right hand corner, you're going to see a big orange button that says work with us. If you click on that, there's a long form letter there. You sit down on your laptop, on your computer, please not on your phone, it's too long to go through, pour yourself a cup of coffee, read that letter at the bottom of it. If you feel like this is a good fit and you have the financial means to work with me, by all means, fill out an application. You know, we can look at next steps after that and maybe take a phone call to discuss things. So all these things are all done with private clients. So we also do a lot of residency and specifically residency by investment. So to circle back to what I was saying before, I don't do residencies for work permits so that you can get a job in another country. I don't do residencies so you can study another country. I do residency by investments. So this means purchasing an investment in another country and in exchange, the country will allow you to live in that country. Like I said, many programs around the world, you know, I do a lot in Latin America, some in Europe, some in Asia, but a lot of different places in the world. So... I already explained what a residency is. Sometimes you may have heard the term called a golden visa. Well, I want to explain to people what a golden visa is and why it is important. A golden visa is when you need to spend very little time on the ground in the target country. So a good example would be Portugal, which is in the process of canceling their program anymore. So I only use Portugal as an example just to kind of show you what is needed. So in Portugal, Their program, you only needed to spend seven days a year in the country, which means that you do not become a tax resident of that country. Okay, so you could get the visa, you could come and go in Portugal, you could get access to the Schengen zone. If you wanted to live there full-time, you could, but if you did not want to, that was okay. The investment amount started at 500,000 euros. There was a couple of ways that you could legally reduce it on this, but just for ease of math, say it was 500,000 euros. Now, you might think, wow, that's a lot of money, but what this gives you is access to Europe and You don't have to become a tax resident, which can be really, really expensive in Europe. Now, if we compare that to Portugal that has another program called the D7 visa, it's very cheap to get a few thousand dollars or maybe mid four figures type of four figures, five figures type of thing for your legal work and to go through all the process and the everything like that. It's not 500. It's not nothing, but it's certainly not 500. But one of the stipulations is that you have to spend 183 days in the country. Well, what happens at 183 days? You become a tax resident. Now you're on the hook for possibly as high of a 45 marginal tax rate. Now they have what's called a non-DOM tax system where you could legally reduce it to 20%, maybe all the way down to zero, but that's your individual situation. Now, I don't know your situation, so I can't tell you whether that is possible or not possible. I can tell you that most people do not understand the non-DOM tax system, and it is a lot more complicated than you will ever read in pretty much any blog out there in the world. We've done a really great article about it at expatmoney.com, and if you go up to the search bar, then you can find that. But I've had even lawyers and accountants who do not understand it who reference my work on the tax situation in a place like Portugal. Anyways, I don't wanna get into the tax piece of this, certainly not in this episode, but I just wanna show you the differences between what is a golden visa and what is just a normal type of residency. In a golden visa, there's very little or no time required on ground to keep the visa active, to keep the permanent residency active, okay? I hope that makes sense. Now, the next thing that I focus on is called citizenship by investment. You know, we already talked about citizenship by naturalization, citizenship by ancestry, citizenship by giving birth in the country. There's also ways to get citizenship by marrying someone or if you have a religious background for certain religions, things like that. But the next one is citizenship by investment. So what does this mean? Well, it means investing in a country, and in return, they will give you citizenship. Now, the investment sometimes is kind of a misnomer. People think, okay, I'm going to put money in the stock market, therefore I should get citizenship. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe the investment is actually a donation. Maybe you are giving money to the government. You are investing in the country. Like, literally, you're helping to put money into the country so they can build roads and stuff like that. You know, they always quote us the roads. That's why we need tax. Well, it turns out there are many countries in the world that do not have tax. They generate income to be able to provide these public services and public goods without making it a mandatory taxation. They can generate it from other ways. And citizenship is one of them. So I want to quickly run through the countries that currently, as of today as i am speaking to you that allows citizenship by investment it is a short list it is not a very long list it's a very very short list okay so you have malta now their program has gone through a couple of different iterations but currently you should expect it to cost about a million euros maybe a little bit more and it allows you to get citizenship there and a passport Now, that's a lot of money, especially in this case, it's pretty much giving the money away. This is not buying real estate. There's some ways that you can either rent or buy there. But for all intents and purposes, you're looking at close to a million dollars that is gone. But this is one of the best passports in the world. You get visa-free travel to almost every country in the world. You get access to the Schengen zone, to the European Union. There's a very good tax situation there. Malta is an all-star in the world of citizenship by investment. But it's expensive. I mean, to go through a program where you're going to be giving away a million dollars uh, or a million dollars or a million euros, I mean, you need have to be at a certain level of net worth, okay? So it's not for everyone. Another program is Vanuatu. Vanuatu is a small island nation off the coast of Australia, a couple thousand kilometers or 1,500 kilometers, something like that, off the coast of Australia. I've been there. It's a very beautiful place, very, very laid back. They have no tax there, no wealth tax, no inheritance tax, no personal income tax, pretty much no tax of any type, which is great. And their passport is okay. It used to be a lot better. However, they're under a temporary suspension for their access to the Schengen zone. And we don't know exactly what's happened. So I used to do a lot of Vanuatu citizenship by investments for my clients. The price point was at about $130,000 for the primary applicant, or you could say about $135,000 because there's a couple extra little things that needed to go in. And then as your family grew or as you're added extra dependence, it can go up from there. But it was a good program. Unfortunately, it's been suspended for access to European Union, so the Schengen zone. But we'll see what happens in the future. Maybe they'll sort out their house and it'll become better again. Then there's also Turkey. Turkey is one of my favorite countries in the world. Their program went through a lot of changes. It used to be a $250,000 real estate investment. Now it is a $400,000 real estate investment. I love Turkey. I've been there a half a dozen times. I have to go there, I think, three times this year. So it's another program. They have visa-free access to, I think, 110, 111 countries. Last year, it was 111, but I heard that they lost one. So I have to go and check into that again. The next one is Cambodia. I do not do a lot of work in Cambodia. very expensive and it's a very poor passport. I have some Cambodian friends and I love Cambodians and I've been there, but for citizenship by investment, it's not a great program. The next one is Jordan, same type of thing, expensive and not great. Egypt, also expensive and not great. I don't do any work in any of those three countries. If someone specifically needed, I'm sure I have colleagues to do it, but it's not one that I work on in a regular basis. So that is the rest of the world, okay? Now, on top of the rest of the world, there's the Caribbean. Now, I want to be very clear. There are five countries that allow citizenship by investment or offer citizenship by investment in the Caribbean. Only five. That's it. Just five. You have Antigua and Barbuda, Dominica, St. Lucia, Grenada. And then the king or the platinum one of all of them is St. Keats and Nevis. And why do I say St. Keats and Nevis is the king? Well, the country has no taxation, no personal income tax for foreign-sourced income or locally-sourced income. This is huge. This is amazing. This means not just if you can live in the country and you have your business outside of the country and bringing money in, like remitting funds into the country, there will be no tax. But even if you live in the country and you do a job or something like that, there's no tax for you on that. This is from the St. Keats side. This is not getting into, hey, you're an American citizen. What about the US? That's a completely different situation. You know, your tax home and everything like that, we need to deal with that separately. And something that I work with my accountants on with all of my private clients, I have tax lawyers and accountants I work with, who help me advise on all of these things. As well with the St. Keats and Nevis program, one of the The other amazing pieces of the pie is that, let's say you get the citizenship and you and your partner decide to have another child that child is automatically a St. Keats and Nevis citizen straight off the bat, okay? That's not the case in Dominica. That's not the case in Antigua and Barbuda. They have to make their own applications or you have to apply for them if you had another child there. And let's say that, you know what, Mikel, I'm not your age. I'm not 40 years old. I don't still have kids on the way. My kids are growing up, you know? Maybe I have 20-year-old kids or 16-year-old kids or something like that. Well, if you went through the program right now and you had your children as a dependent, when your child grows up and they decide that they want to start a family of their own and they give birth, whether it's in St. Keats or anywhere else in the world, that child is automatically a St. Keats and Nevis citizen. So what you're doing is you are giving a gift to your family forever. Your lineage from now on will have access to this. So grandma and grandpa or great-great-great-grandma and grandpa went through all this work and now you have access to this. The the great-grandchild or great-great-grandchild will have access. That's pretty amazing. That is pretty fantastic if you ask me. Now, with all of these five Caribbean countries, you have a couple of ways that you can qualify for it. Some of them have different types of investment. Like St. Lucia, for example, has a bond program where you can put a couple hundred thousand dollars into a government bond. It's a zero interest coupon bond. So there's no interest on this. So when you get your money back, there's nothing else that comes with it. Basically, you're giving them an interest-free loan for at least five years or more. Now, there are a couple of problems with this. Straight off the bat, there's a $50,000 government fee on top of that. So with St. Lucia, the bond program is currently set at $300,000 US dollars. Then there's all the legal work and everything like that. Then on top of that, the $50,000 fee. So you could be tying up you know, around $400,000 for a minimum of five years. But could it go longer than that depending on your family structure? Now, when they go to pay it back, well... Let's see what inflation is like at the time. We're currently sitting at around nine percent. You know, I mean, I don't trust a lot of the government statistics, but I would I would argue probably double digit type of inflation. So you're talking $40,000 a year that your money is losing value while it's going through this for a minimum of five years, okay? Then there's the opportunity cost. If you took this $400,000 and you put it into something else, you put $400,000 into Bitcoin or you put it into real estate or you put it into something else. Well, what is that going to generate for you? Or if you do another program like St. Keith's or something like that, which is drastically less expensive, then you use the remainder money on Ethereum, Bitcoin, real estate, hedge funds, gold, agricultural land like I do in some countries. What is that money going to generate for you? And then how is that going to look in five years from now? How much will you get? You know, the opportunity cost of this. Some other countries do real estate. And you might think, well, I understand real estate. I'm a real estate investor in the U.S. or U.K. or Spain or wherever. Well, the real estate in the Caribbean is very different. In most cases, or I think in all cases, they have to be government approved projects. And the only projects that often get approved are hotels and resorts. So this is not, you get to go out there on the secondary market, slap down a couple hundred thousand dollars and buy a nice condo and then rent it out on Airbnb. You don't have this type of control with these. And when you look at the programs that are offered on the real estate, there's this huge delta between what you pay for it and what you can sell it for after a certain amount of time. So you can't just buy it and then sell it the following day. You have to hold it for, in some cases, many years, five years plus, okay? And when you do eventually go to sell it, say it's a $400,000 place, and now you go to sell it and you get $250,000 back for it. You know, that delta, that $150,000 between, just magically happens to be the donation amount for some of these countries. So really, you're better off not staring at the ceiling every night, stressed out, worried about what's happening with your property. Are you going to get your money back? Is it going to hold value? You're better off to just do the donation route. I would say in 99.9% of the cases in the Caribbean, just do the donation. Real estate is not what you think it is back home. It should not even be considered real estate. It's something else. Okay, enough about that. I will stop harping on this but I just wanna be very, very clear on my opinions here. Now, if programs change in the future and there's some amazing real estate opportunity that comes out and we're looking at a solid return, you know, I'm happy to change my opinion, but I've been doing this for many years and I am yet to see a program which I think is a very good deal. I would rather you just do the donation, then take the leftover money that you would have spent on the real estate there and put it into a lot more stable and secure program. Anyways, there is a lot of information at expatmoney.com where you guys can read about these types of programs and see the fee schedule. Another couple of things that I want to explain about citizenship by investment. When we say it's a $100,000 donation or $150,000 donation, that doesn't mean that's it. You pay $150,000 and you get your citizenship. There are a lot of extra fees that go into this. You have to look at local legal fees. You have to work with a service provider to be able to prepare your application. There's due diligence checks. Due diligence and the KYC and AML can cost up to 15,000 US dollars to go through. These are really, really specialized things and they're not cheap. So mentally prepare yourself if you want to go through a CBI type of program. It should cost you or it will cost you probably an additional 30, 40 Well, not even thirty. Definitely forty, fifty thousand dollars, maybe more, depending how many dependents you have with you, how many kids, or your spouse, or your parents, or your siblings, or anything like that. That's going to all add additional legal and service provider fees. Okay. So let's say that you decide you want to do a citizenship by investment program and you you choose the country, you choose, I don't know, St. Keats and Nevis. I think St. Keats and Nevis is the best, but for certain family situation, there are other programs. But I really like St. Keats. So let's say that you want to do it, well, right now, currently, as I am recording this, the donation amount is $125,000. They've done a $25,000 discount. Actually, if you guys reach out to me, I can explain more about this one-on-one if you are seriously considering St. Keats, but at the moment, it's $125,000, okay? And I believe it's $154,000 if you're bringing on your spouse. Then you add on, you know, $40,000 in the legal work and all of this extra paperwork and government fees and stamps and blah, 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 okay? Now, you might think to yourself, you know, $190,000 for me and my spouse to get the citizenship, you know, that's a lot of money to spend, You know, I'm just giving this money away and all I get back is a little piece of paper, a booklet. Okay, you're looking at it the wrong way and I want to try to propose to you a different way to look at it. If you have ever done legal work in your life, if you've ever had to pay for legal work and you've gone out there and paid individual lawyers to do work for you, not just advice, but to actually do work for you, that's what you're paying for here, okay? It's not just the legal work, of getting the citizenship for you, but it's all the legal work and diplomatic work which has happened over decades, decades, okay? You get access to all of that by becoming a citizen. So, St. Keats and Nevis has been doing their program since 1984. They're going on 40 years of doing their citizenship by investment program. So, that's like they have longevity, they have staying power. Imagine how much legal work has gone into this program, setting it up. Imagine how much legal work has gone into the relationships that St. Keats has built up with the other countries in the world. So, currently, you get visa-free access to 157 countries with your St. Kitts citizenship with your passport. Okay, That's 157 (laughs) agreements that they've had to set up, give and take, back and forth, different types of agreements with all of these countries that they have to renew on a regular basis. This is sending their diplomats there, receiving diplomats, everything like that. Imagine if you had to go through something like this to set it up, how much work that would be, how many people would need to be involved with it. Well, that's what you're buying into. When you become a citizen of that country. So don't think of it just as the piece of paper that you're holding in your hand, this little booklet called a passport. It is all the history, all the work that has gone into that. It is your legal right to live in that country, your legal right to live in the neighboring countries, in the Eastern Caribbean community. There's actually seven countries that you get to live in with, say, your St. Kitts and Nevis passport. So there's all the other countries that do the CBI. So there's you know, if you get a St. Keats and Nevis passport, I'm just using St. Keats and Nevis as an example, but this applies to the other ones. You also get access to live in Antigua and Barbuda. You get access to live in Dominica. You get access to live in St. Lucia. You get access to live in Grenada. You get access to live in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. You get access to live in Montserrat. And then, of course, you get access to live in St. Keats and Nevis. So with your one citizenship, you get to live in seven different countries. You can live there. You can work there full-time. You can move your family there if you need a new place to go. This is like the ultimate plan B. It's like a little mini EU in the Caribbean. Once you become part of this community, then you get access to all of these. So imagine the legal work and the diplomatic work that goes into all of this. Now, $200,000 or $190,000 for you and your spouse, or say $150,000 for a single applicant for by yourself, doesn't sound like that much money, does it? Yes, you need to be at a certain wealth level to be able to do this. You don't want this to be every penny you have. If it's every penny you have, then citizenship by investment is not for you. But if you have you know, a decent amount of money in the bank and some investments, and you want to start thinking about your family's future and going forwards and, you know, securing all these things, then it really does make sense. I know it's a lot to get your head around sometimes, but I really do think it is an amazing opportunity for the right person. Okay, moving on. I have had people ask me, well, what about XXX country? What about this country? What about that country? On the webinar, I had a couple people ask me about... Aruba or Bonaire and Curacao. I had people ask me about Trinidad and Tobago. We had other Caribbean countries that people were asking me about for citizenship by investment. They don't exist. There is no program for these countries. Only the five that we just talked about have citizenship by investment. Now, these countries will have some type of residency program. I mean, you would need to hire a local lawyer and go through those things or engage my services. And I will reach out to my colleagues in these areas and we would work through it together if if for whatever reason Aruba was the place you wanted to be or Curacao was the place that specifically you wanted to be in that one then you could engage my services as a private client we would work through it we would go through the whole thing and I would get you local representation but it's not a citizenship by investment you wouldn't get a passport you would get a residency and then you could live in that country for say 5 years or 7 years or 10 years depending on which country it is and then eventually maybe in 10 years or something like that get your citizenship through naturalization and then get the passport okay i had someone else who asked me about panama on the presentation well panama if you go through the friendly nations visa can take upwards of nine years to get your passport so on the one hand you have nine years to get a passport and in saint Kitts and nevis you have 60 days once your application is submitted 60 days and you have a passport in hand so there's a very, very big difference between these things. And I use this as an example on the workshop on Saturday, but I think it is a good example. So I'm happy to repeat it here because I really want this to stick in people's mind. So the programs that I've outlined today, you know, this dozen countries, less than a dozen countries, this is it. This is what exists in the world as of today. We already talked about, you know, what you get. So it is your legal right to live and work in that country you can bring your family with you, you can get the passport, you can travel on that passport, you can enter into new countries that maybe you don't get with your original citizenship. So you can stack passports to get access to even more countries. So for example, with the St. Keats and Nevis, you get access to countries that you don't get access to with a Canadian citizenship or with a U.S. citizenship, with a U.S. passport, you don't get to go to some countries, but St. Kitts and Nevis get to go there. So that's interesting. There's additional places that you can go to. Even just having a second travel document, a backup passport, in case you, you know, I recently had a, a client whose wife, or actually it was his girlfriend, put his passport through the washing machine by mistake. It was in a pants pocket and he lost his passport and it was a Canadian passport and this was during COVID and it took months and months and months for him to be able to get a new Canadian passport. So he was literally stuck in the country. So that's, I would not be happy with that. That would make me super nervous. So I'm very happy to have other citizenships and passports. I would not want to rely on only one. If you had to send your passport away somewhere to get a visa to go to a country, then you still are have the other passport with you. So having multiple passports makes sense for a lot of these things. And then there's about the taxation Going back to the Canadian example, you have to have a tax residency somewhere else, which means you have to have the legal right to live and work in another country to get out of Canada's tax net. You have to move to another country, but you have to be a resident there. And obviously, as a citizen, you're automatically a resident there. So this would qualify you to get out of Canadian tax situation. Now, we would need to work through things. There's a lot of paperwork. There's the deemed disposition. There's an exit tax. There's a lot of planning and things like that. But you can get out of these situations if you think ahead on these things. Also, with U.S. citizens, the way it works is there's only two countries in the world that tax you based on your citizenship, not just your residency like Canada and most countries, but also your citizenship. So there's Eritrea and Africa, and there's the USA. So that means when you live overseas, you still have obligations to the IRS, even if you don't travel there anymore, even if you don't live there, even if you plan on never going back, you still have to file a tax return every year and possibly owe taxes to the U.S. government forever. The only way that you're ever going to be able to sever these ties is if you have another citizenship, another citizenship and another passport, because you can't be stateless. So you could get a citizenship by investment, move to that country, then renounce your US citizenship. You know, maybe you don't agree with what's happening in the US. Maybe you don't feel like you're ever going to go back to that country. Whatever your reasons might be and and these are personal reasons. I'm not telling you what's right and what's wrong, but I can tell you that I have this conversation with a lot of my private clients. So many of my private clients, we discuss renouncing US citizenship and what that would mean and what the steps look like. You know, I have A U.S. tax lawyer I work with on pretty much a weekly basis going through this process. But the point being, you have to have another citizenship. And maybe you don't want to wait the 10 years or 20 years to go through a naturalization. Maybe you want to do it this year, which means your options are citizenship by investment. Okay? So that's kind of taxes. This is not a tax episode. We deal with that more one-on-one with people, but I, I want you to understand that it can change your situation and your obligations if you have other citizenship. It opens doors for you, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So that's it. This is my super quick recap. I think we did pretty good on time today. This is back to basics on immigration. Once again, this is really high level, super basic stuff for the work that I do. A lot of my work is about a 1000 times more complicated than, than this. That's why people work with me, because we have many programs around the world with residencies, with ancestry, with digital nomad visas, with giving birth, with marriage, with different types of programs, your tax situation, how it all fits into place, and then all the different types of ways of getting citizenship, like the citizenship by investment, and looking at the different countries and whatever your obligations are, okay? So if you guys want help with this, go to expatmoney.com. Top right-hand corner, there's a big orange button. It says, work with us. You can read the my letter there that I wrote. At the bottom, there's an application form. I will then reach out to you if I think it's a good fit, and we will discuss. And if needed, or if I think it's a good fit, then we can take a phone call and we'll discuss things and we'll look at onboarding you as a private client. I hope today's episode was beneficial to you and works as a real compliment to the three-hour workshop I did on Saturday. If you guys have more questions about that and you watch the presentation and you want to go through the CBI programs that we discussed and you want to join me on some of these things, then you have the email address. There's a special email address just for people who registered and attended that presentation. I also want to say that if you're listening to today's episode and you registered for the workshop but did not get a chance to attend it and you've received the email with part one and part two, you only have a couple of days left to watch the presentation and then I'm going to be locking it away. It's not a presentation I want floating everywhere in the internet. This is not a YouTube video or something. It's all password protected and it's going to be secured. So anyways, that's it. I'm going to go eat my gluten-free pizza and have a big glass of wine. It has been a long day in the office. So much stuff going on, so many amazing projects happening, so many big things coming out. And the birthday party is coming up as well. I'm looking forward to seeing... I think we're at 150 people now flying in for my birthday party, for my 40th birthday party. So hopefully I will see a lot of you guys then. And that's it. Have a great night. Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop Capitalizing on the Globally Recognized Resort Brand Coming.